Hello everyone. My name is Sigflup Sinislabel and I am taking over the HPR airwaves. The time is 7 o'clock somewhere. I'm going to be talking about schizophrenia, specifically my, um, my experience of it. And uh, first, before I, I talk about anything, I probably should uh, um, answer the question, why? <laughs> why schizophrenia on a show about hackers and hacking things? Well, I'm a hacker, so it's from a hacker perspective, I suppose. Um, that's the reason why. Um, I think my perspective is, is well, I want to understand my brain and understand what's going on and uh, share with you the experience of, of me trying to understand that. And uh, in any hacking endeavor, you seek to understand something, I think. And uh, so <laughs> that's, the, that's the reason why. I want to um, start by talking about my history. Um, I've been in the hospital nine times, I think. I lose track. <laughs> I've lost track a while ago. I think it's been nine times. And uh, I want to talk about my diagnostic history. At first, um, I was diagnosed with major, de major depression with psychotic features, then schizoaffective depressive type, and now, um, finally, I'm, I'm diagnosed with schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia specifically. They seem to think that my depressive symptoms are a result of my schizophrenia. There are a few people um, in the public eye uh, that are schizophrenic, that are high-functioning. Ellen Sachs, for instance, or Frederick Fries. Let me play a um, excerpt from something by Ellen Sachs. She's a hero of mine, and I uh, just want you to hear her before I continue. My doctors diagnosed me with chronic schizophrenia and gave me a prognosis of, quote, grave. That is, at best, I was expected to live in a board and care and work at menial jobs. Fortunately, I did not actually enact that grave prognosis. Instead, I'm a chaired professor of law, psychology, and psychiatry at the USC Gould School of Law. I have many close friends, and I have a beloved husband, Will, who's here with us today. I, too, was given a prognosis similar to that. Um, I believe uh, the third time I was in the hospital, they wanted me to live in a group home for the mentally ill, um, which I refused. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't um, committed at that time. Um, I think it's important to uh, realize that people can be high-functioning and have schizophrenia at the same time. I consider myself a high-functioning schizophrenic, although I don't have a job, <laughs> and I live off disability, um, and I go to drop-in centers, 
and 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 whatnot. Um, but I have friends. I have lots of friends, and I have a social life, a healthy social life, which is something that um, people with schizophrenia believe not to be able to have. And uh, so I, I consider myself high functioning. Although I might not look high functioning on paper, I consider myself high functioning. One thing I get asked a lot is um, how it started. What was my first psychotic episode? I think people have a lot of interest in this. Um, in in movies, you see um, people portrayed uh, as as schizophrenics, just in their in their psychosis. Um, there's a lot more to schizophrenia than psychosis. But uh, um, I get asked this question, and I don't really know how to answer it because I don't remember. There's a lot that I don't remember. I think it's because my my uh, thought process is in a different place than it is when I'm when I'm healthy. Um, when I'm sick, my thought process is in a different place. I remember um, specific things like um, having the feeling that that people were putting thoughts into my head to make me go places so that they could capture me. Um, I remember that, thinking that at an early age and being uh, just incredibly afraid about that. I, I stopped going outside. I would not go outside for the life of me because I thought that any um, volition on my part to go outside was, was caused by someone else's thoughts that were inside of me. So I guess that's when it, when it started. Um, but I started going to hospital when I became paranoid that uh, the people uh, who don't exist, uh, I thought people were living by my friend Jess in this abandoned house, but they, they weren't. I thought that they were, were following me uh, because cars are parked um, in the parking lot, and I thought I'd see the cars and, and whatnot, and it's all a big, confusing thing. The uh, the second time I was in the hospital, I, I brought myself uh, in there because I thought that people were reading my mind, um, which I had the insight uh, in in believing that that was odd. I had that that bit of insight, fortunately. So I brought my my own self into the hospital. Hospitals are hospitals are funny places. Um, they are, quite frankly, they're filled with with people with a lot of stories and uh, just interestingness. Um, and uh, when you're in the hospital, uh, the, for the first couple of times, for the first few times, you think to yourself that you're never going to go to the hospital again, <laughs> which turned out not to be the case in my case. I remember this, uh, there was this one fella who, uh, had paranoid schizophrenia who I met, um, who, um, believed that he was in a game show and, uh, that we were all part of the audience or that we were participating in the game show, which didn't strike me as a very strong delusion until he, uh, I found out later that the reason why he... He cut himself in his wrist, um, up and down in his wrist, a very deep cut, uh, mere inches, centimeters, whatever, away from his artery. Uh, he 
did it thinking that the producers would, would save them. I, uh, I have in the show notes a drawing that I drew of a man who's in the hospital who's afraid of touching the ground. I didn't experience this. I didn't, uh, um, there wasn't anyone who was afraid of touching the ground. This is just what came out of my head when I decided to draw about the hospital. So uh, with all this, let's, uh, let's talk about what schizophrenia is. Hey, uh, according to Wikipedia, um, I'm not going to cite the entire Wikipedia <laughs> article here, just a little bit of it. Schizophrenia is a mental disorder characterized by a breakdown in thought processes and by a deficit in typical emotional response, which is uh, more or less true. Um, there are a couple things about schizophrenia. There are positive symptoms and, and negative symptoms, uh, positive symptoms being things that are I like to think things that are added, uh, if that makes sense, like um, like paranoia or or hallucinations or delusions or disorganized speech and uh, things like that um, that is uh, added to an experience. <laughs> then there then there are negative symptoms as well, which um, are impairment of social cognition, uh, for instance, um, social isolation. Uh, difficulties working and with long-term memory, uh, difficulties with attention and executive functioning, as well as the speed of processing uh, is also slow sometimes. Um, and uh, anhedonia, the, the lack of, uh, which I believe is the lack of not being able to feel pleasure, and um, evolution, which is lack of motivation, and uh, and these things. So. Schizophrenia is a is a pretty big soup of uh, of symptoms. The uh, the diagnostic criteria for um, diagnosing someone with schizophrenia is pretty simple. Um, it's uh, two or more of uh, of these symptoms uh, that I'm going to list um, that last for a period of six months. So delusions, hallucinations, disorganized speech, um, uh, formal thought disorder, uh, grossly or disorganization, uh, disorganized behavior, uh, negative symptoms like blunted affect, um, lack of, of, of and decline in speech, and, uh, and whatnot. So it's, it's six months of two or more of these symptoms. Uh, also, any social or occupational dysfunction. Uh, for six months, and uh, yeah, so <laughs> the the reason why um, I think the reason why I was diagnosed with schizophrenia is because um, I had expressed to my doctor at the time, uh, Doctor B, let's just call her, uh, that I was being followed in two thousand five, which is still uh, a little bit nebulous whether I actually was or was not. Um, also, um, there was an experience on the train uh, where someone was yelling at me, just screaming at me, and I did not look at this person. And uh, it's a bit nebulous whether that actually happened or whatnot, <laughs> or, or, or not, happened or not. And uh, a, few, a few other things, as well as the, the symptoms that I was experiencing in the hospital at the time I was 
I was was diagnosed. Schizophrenia for me um, has been, I think, more uh, negative symptoms than positive symptoms. Um, I've had had some positive symptoms, uh, persecutory delusions, for instance. Uh, persecutory delusions being um, the hallmark of paranoid schizophrenia, and that and delusions of grandeur, which I have not had delusions of grandeur, but that that is a part of, of paranoid schizophrenia. At least I don't don't believe I've had delusions of grandeur. <laughs> I um I thought I killed someone for for a long time. I thought that I I had killed somebody. And uh, that could be a delusion of grandeur. I'm not exactly sure that that was. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was a that was a hard time. I I just knew that I had done something, and uh, possibly with a gun, and um, that I had forgotten or something like that. That was uh, I still comes up every now and then, uh, but it's a, it's a delusion that's hard to deal with. Most, mostly it's been negative symptoms for me, though. Um, I have, I've never been able to keep a job, and uh, I've always been a little socially, not really with it socially, and uh, not pick up on a lot of things. And... Um, so yeah, I think a lot of it is negative symptoms. When, when I was diagno diagnosed, and be before I knew what schizophrenia was exactly, um, well, after I learned what schizophrenia was, uh, and after I learned about the negative symptoms, I was in denial for a long time. But I think they, I think it really matches my life. Um, and uh, so, <laughs> the people who diagnosed me saw that, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm learning to see it now too. This um, this past time I was in the hospital. I just got, I just got out of the hospital. I was in it until July first, and uh, so <laughs> didn't get to experience, uh, didn't get to experience Pride here. Uh, saw that from uh, from the inside, and uh, so what I like to do. Um, I thought I thought that that there were people living in my toe when I was in the the hospital, and. Uh, which is a, which is a peculiar um, sensation and a thing to think. Uh, I think I had tactile hallucinations where I would feel people in, in my toe moving around. And uh, so what I like to do is, um, after I get out of the hospital, I like to get my medical records uh, almost instantly and read through them. <laughs> and I found some patterns um, in them. It's good to have these medical records because I, I forget exactly what my thoughts were and, and what I experienced. I forget them really easily. Um, so I have all these medical records. And uh, when, you, when you first go in the hospital, they, they, you meet with a, a psychologist or, or someone who makes an initial diagnosis and uh, um, writes a report about you, uh, an initial report about me which is the, the first thing that I read. And uh, then you're followed every day uh, by a doctor, a psychologist who um, makes notes about you and, and whatnot. And uh, one pattern is that there's always these in front of the notes. There's always a list 
and I'm going to read you the list of one of my notes. Um, and uh, it says appearance, bizarre, attitude, cooperative and less guarded, eye contact, fair, mood, anxious and depressed, affect, intensity is flat and constricted mobility, speech, clear, coherent, psychomotor behavior, physically retardation, which, <laughs> yeah, apparently physical retardation when it comes to psychomotor behavior. Um, thought process, illogical, associations, loosening of associations present, thought content, obsessions present, insight, limited, judgment, limited, um, and so on, like orientation, attention span, concentration, recent remote memory, language, fund of knowledge, muscle strength and tone, gait and station. And uh, so this is the beginning of, of a lot of notes. And uh, so they, they make note of your appearance, which I thought was interesting, and your attitude and whatnot. I mean, I can understand making note of your thought process and, and stuff like this, but they definitely make note of your appearance. Um, here's another one. Uh, the list reads hallucinations, thinking, orientation, memory, insight, judgment, eye contact, affect, mood, physical appearance, hygiene, suicidality, self-injury, activity, speech, medication sensitivity, which is a, a kind of a bizarre thing, psychomotor or gait, and hygiene. And hygiene isn't filled out in my particular note there. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. The, uh, there are techs in the hospital uh, who um, apparently write down everything that happens. Uh, this is what one wrote about me patient is vis visibly in the milieu, pacing the hallway, but not participating much in groups. Patient has flat, blunted effect. Patient feels that she... Hmm, well, actually, this is a little private. I don't think I want to read it. <laughs> but, yeah, they take note of everything that goes on when you're in the hospital. You can't get away with anything. Um, the only thing I got away with was cheeking my vitamin D. Uh, that is, keeping my vitamin D in my cheek uh, and not, not actually swallowing it. Uh, because I, it wasn't labeled, and I was suspicious of the things that, that they were giving me at the time. So I'd go and check uh, the label of each medication. I'd write down the label, and uh, the first time I would cheek them. And uh, then, after, then after I went to the internet and uh, found the medications. The problem with going to the internet, though, is you don't have access to it, so you have to do it through a tech. <laughs> and I didn't know this tech would take note of me doing it which they did, and uh, so that was that. The, the hardest thing about the hospital really is lack of internet connection and lack of computer. Um, not every hospital is like this, but the one that I went to, Fairview, was, was definitely like this. Um, so let's, let's go on to, to my experience of, of schizophrenia, which I touched on a little bit uh, already, um, but I'd like to, to touch on more. Um, there is a, a couple of things. I'm going to play for you this clip from this one woman, and there's a couple of things that are really resonate that really resonate with me um, and this woman. I'll, I'll tell you about them after the, after the clip. It's like inside my mind, it switched, my mode of thinking switched from understanding people in the world and accepting them, accepting how they felt about me, you know, if it was good or bad or whatever. It was like something was coming up, my anger was coming back up, and I could no longer keep it down. I couldn't control it, I couldn't squelch it. 
And so what came out at that time in my mind, I think I crossed over from mental health to mental illness. And I didn't start to hear voices until a couple, maybe a month or two later. But inside my mind, it was like I figured, oh, now they're going to find out. Now they're going to hate me. Now they're going to find out what I'm really like inside, and they're going to hate me. And so um, shortly after that, I did begin to hear voices. But, um, yeah. Well, what was the voices like? What did they say? Um, for me, it was hate voices. Um, and it has been. Because the voices have continued on ever since then. But for me, um, my voices aren't from a disembodied source. I, I think I've heard a disembodied voice inside my head only once I remember in my life. But most of the time, my voices, they seem to come from other people in the environment. Somebody walking by, driving by, somebody I meet. Mostly strangers. Mm -hmm. People. But for me, it mimics reality. And at the same time, I know that I have schizoaffective disorder. Because there have been times when I know I've hallucinated something. Um, I used to hear my father say, I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. And I know that he didn't say that. Mm -hmm. And I heard my neighbor, a friend, say something to somebody about me. And I know later on that she never said that. And I believed her. And so I realized, wait, I am hallucinating. Mm -hmm. But for the longest time, um, I, I thought it was real. I thought I deserved it. This is reality. This is what's coming back to me for what I'm like inside. And I deserve it. And that feeling of... Um, deserving it actually um, became it was hard to diagnose because mm -hmm. um, even though I was hearing all these voices and was floridly psychotic and um, nobody really knew what was wrong with me so my parents like they used to take me to a counselor and the counselor would try to talk to me and no matter how much they talked they couldn't turn my thoughts around but finally, the, my counselor told my parents, well, she can't be helped. So they took me to a psychiatrist. And within five minutes, psychiatrist says, you have schizophrenia, you have depression, you need the medication, I'm going to give you this. This is an illness. You can get over it. Mm -hmm. It's not something you're doomed to feel the rest of your life. And the idea that it was an illness, that was new to me. Mm -hmm. Very, very, and, and to my family to know that there was a name called schizophrenia mm -hmm. that explained what I was going through. So um, once I was on medication, I, and medication was strong enough, I also noticed a very profound change in my thoughts. It's like before, my thoughts had been like a whirlpool, just obsessing, thinking, 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 how can I get out of this? How can I change myself so people won't hate me? What can I do to deal with all this hatred? It was like a whirlpool. And I remember for the first time lying in bed and feeling like I had just been thrown up on the, onto the shore. I had been shipwrecked in the sea and the waves had been crashing over me. And I had been struggling to keep afloat. And then, then I found myself on the beach and just resting and feeling peace, peace. Just for the first time oh, that I ever wow. remembered. And then I remember the first day I said, you know, this was a good day. I hadn't had a good day for the, anything I can remember.
the um, I, th- I think that's I think that's a really powerful clip. <laughs> I hope you I hope you enjoyed it. Um, the uh, there's a couple things that resonate with me uh, in that clip. One is I've never had anyone describe um, what my hallucinations are like, and they're very similar to hers. Um, the one of the first hallucinations I had was I was in the hospital at HCMC and one of the techs uh, was telling me something as they they were um, they were dealing with my possessions and they, they told me that they were here to punish me and it took a while to to realize that maybe they didn't actually say that and maybe maybe I heard that um, and they didn't actually say that. And there's there's a couple other instances during that stay uh, where I would hear things uh, like that, where I'd be too far away to hear them hear something, or 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 things like that. The other the other thing that really resonates with me is her feeling that she, if they knew, they would um, they would they would hate her. And uh, I've struggled with thinking that I'm. I'm possessed, and that I'm I'm evil. And uh, if people knew that I was evil, if people saw what I would what I'd see, and and how I felt, and and uh, how I thought that they would they would think I was evil, and uh, because I am evil, and uh, I'm I'm possessed with with things that aren't me. Um, I'm possessed with thoughts and uh, various other things that that aren't me. Um, that's, uh, that's another, that's another thing that, that really resonated with me. And, um, so thank you for, thank you for listening to that clip. I, I really appreciate it. What I'm on now is, uh, a couple of drugs, a couple of antipsychotics. I think I went through, I went through a few antipsychotics and we finally... I settled on on these two. Let me find my container here. Yep, that's it. Those are that's Risperdal, my primary antipsychotic, and um, which is a uh, antipsychotics. I, I mentioned this in the, my last episode about schizophrenia uh, that antipsychotics have a lot to do with with neurotransmitters and um, blocking them, blocking dopamine. Or, um, or maybe having you be able to accept glutamate or things like this. Uh, dopamine is a big thing. Thorazine worked on dopamine and blocking do- dopamine. There's a, there's a theory that schizophrenia is caused by a chemical imbalance and uh, that neurotransmitters are the key. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I believe that necessarily. Um, uh, there's a lot of other theories. There's uh, infectious theories. There's viral theories that that uh, that schizophrenia actually is a retrovirus that we all have that's triggered in some people, and uh, I think that's I think that's really interesting because um, viruses can target specific areas of the brain, rabies, for instance, and they they think that schizophrenia is the pathology of of the frontal lobe and perhaps is a virus that targets the frontal lobe. And uh, so those are my antipsychotics. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Them Shake.
the um, the last thing I want to touch on is anisognosia, which is a word that means lack of insight, that you aren't aware that you're sick. This is especially prevalent when it comes to schizophrenia, where a schizophrenic person might think that they're not schizophrenic. Anisognosia has never really been uh, part of my life uh, until recently. Um, <laughs> let me explain. Um, I never thought that I had lack of insight. I, I always thought that my insight was pretty fair. And uh, I still think it is, but I've noticed um, a pattern um, that I think my drugs are placebos, and so I don't take them. And it's when I'm sick that I don't think my drugs do anything and that I shouldn't take them because they, they aren't doing anything. This, everything is psychosomatic, um, and uh, so I shouldn't take them. And uh, that comes and goes. I, I used to think anisognosia was denial, but I, I don't think it's denial. Um, after I heard that uh, people with tardive dyskinesia, there are cases with people with tardive dyskinesia, a movement disorder that's caused by antipsychotics. Um, people... Some people believe that they don't have tardive dyskinesia. That is until they're shown a video of themselves and they go, oh yeah, I, I have tardive dyskinesia. And then two weeks later they'll forget and go, yeah, well I had it then, but I don't have it now. Despite the fact that they still have a movement disorder. And uh, that coming back to it really resonated with me because I, I come back to my drugs being placebos. Um... Sometimes I, f I believe this, sometimes I don't. Right now I'm, I'm fairly healthy and I don't believe that my drugs are placebos, but I know I will come back to it. And that's a very, that's a very hard thing to express, um, what that feeling is like. And uh, so in, in that way I, I do have a bit of anisognosia. Thank you for listening everyone. Uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to touch on. Um, I'm happy that you listened to this episode <laughs> and leave comments if you want to and, uh, take care. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. 
from shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.